Knife Talk sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife heat treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. So welcome, welcome to Knife Talk, the all-new Knife Talk. So, yeah, things are very different. So it's myself, we got Jeff. Say hi, Jeff. How are you? This is a cheeky podcast we're about to do. It is, without Morocco, without Morocco. He doesn't, so those who don't know, Morocco's doing it, what's he calling it? Some sort of couteau de tour, something like that, isn't it? I tried to say what it was in French and it sounded, I I have no, a coat de tour, I have no idea. I don't, that that whole expression makes no sense to me. (laughs) Well, I think it's couteau, so um, knife in French is couteau. So it's it's something to do with the knives and being on tour, which sounds like fun to me, sounds like fun. Yeah, he was. He started out in he started out in Los Angeles, and he was with uh, APL and Jimmy Kimmel and and uh, Jason Bateman, and then he was on the Joe Rogan Experience. He did a great job right before Elon <laughs> did his thing, and Elon Musk was on the night. But I actually texted Mareko right before he went on, and I said, "Don't worry, you don't have any problems. Elon Musk is going on tomorrow night." I I, I think I screwed him up, and then uh. he went to. Uh, he was with the artist artist fistry. Was that what they call it? What's his name? At artist free. Art. Oh, I don't, I don't know. You know what I'm talking know. about. He was he was with this incredible knife maker. I don't know. I forgot. I couldn't pronounce his name. And then now he's at uh, he's in Hawaii with Neil Kamamura. Not a bad gig. Not no, a bad gig at all. Outstanding. And he's going to come back, and we're going to make this thing happen. Exactly. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have the show is going to be myself, Jeff, and Mareko. It's going to be a weekly show. Um, so we're going to record on Friday. It'll go live on a Monday. So you guys have got something to listen to every week. Should be fun. Very exciting. Very exciting. Once again, thank you very much for this opportunity. I'll try not to let you down. <laughs> the pleasure is all mine. All mine. So let, let's talk about this new format. So, so let's tell people why we're doing this. I mean, to me, it's, you know, I got bored of doing of just questions and answers, you know, a different person every week. Yeah. Um, just got a little bit boring, running out of questions to ask. Um, I just think, you know, we could have a broader appeal. Um, so as well as, you know, the knife makers, which, you know, have already been listening to the show and, you know, really thankful for every single person that listens. I think, you know, there's lots of people just interested in knives, you know, just general knife users. There's, there's chefs or anybody with a vague interest in knives. I want this show to sort of appeal to them. Well, I just want to thank you right off the bat because, you know, you did a hard job. When it comes to broadcasting, you're, you're trying to create chemistry with someone. And every week, all those 30 episodes, you had to create brand new chemistry with someone that you'd never really talked to before. So with that said, it's a lot harder than people realize when you did what you did. So you, you don't sell yourself short here. You had to, like, start from scratch every episode. Hmm. Well, it certainly wasn't, certainly wasn't every week. Um, <laughs> and the well, distance between each episode got longer and longer. So yeah, right. we're going to be doing this every week. Um, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm psyched. We're going to be at, we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good yeah. time. So what have you been up to this week? What what's what's uh, the Lord the Lord Fader been doing this week? It's been mania over here. It's been total mania. I uh, I uh, my poor business partner Tony is having panic attack. Well, panic attacks a strong expression. He's getting like we're getting bombarded. Things have been good. We've been getting some good news lately. Uh, we were in the New York Times last week. Um, that was really great. It was about peak skill, but they they threw me in. And I actually the funny part about that is is I got in a fight with the uh, fight is a strong word too. I I, I got into a disagreement <laughs> with the. Uh, reporter and copy editor they didn't like my terminology so and this brings it back to regards to my opinion of what i think is important about this podcast is she was referring to what i was doing as melting stuff down and melding it back together meld with an m and i had to say no 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 this is we have to this is the this is what we're doing we're we're heating it up forging it down and we're doing whatever and it was this fight. She said, well, the copy editor says that's not really how it works. And I'm like, well, you bring the copy editor up here, and I'll, let, <laughs> I'll tell the copy editor what we're doing. So it's interesting because for, in regards to this is I like the idea that we're trying to help people understand what we're doing and give them a better understanding of what we're going to be doing. And then they have a better education in regards to uh, what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And we want it to be as, you know, interactive as possible. So, yeah, you know, sure. I've had messages from people saying, what, you know, make it a video and you know, that would be great, but you know, we're we're in 
different countries. And, Let's just get know. the audio down first. We'll get the exactly. audio down and then we'll see where we're at. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, people can ask us questions and we've, we've received a ton already. Yeah. So, you know, send those questions in. And, and we're not the experts by any means. No. Um, but we've done this, you know, we've done this for some time and, you know, we have ways of doing things ourselves and hopefully it'll start a conversation with others and we'll learn, they'll learn. It's good for everyone. Well, the other thing is, is if we don't know, we'll try to find out or we know enough yeah. people that we can ask them. We have a very good, this is a good, this knife community is an excellent network of people and I try to be as helpful as possible. But if I don't know, I usually try to ask somebody. So that's what we're going to do. Um, yeah. It's, we're, we're, you know, I hate that expression. I say it all the time, but I'm with you. And that, that whole thing is from the idea of, like, you know, we're all in this together. Yeah, and, you know, lines of communication are open. So if, if you hear a question, you have a great answer yourself or you have a different way of doing things, let us know. Let us know. We'd love to tell everybody else. And I didn't answer your first question, which was, what, what have you been doing? I've been working on a pile of knives, including 36 of these Cuban knives, which I've been making with Chef Carl Ruiz. And actually, mm. one of them... By the time this airs, maybe it'll be already been filmed, but one went to Guy Fieri. Um, it was a special one that Carl wanted me to make for Guy, and uh, he says Fieri, Fieri, I don't know. But uh, it went out to him, and he's out there in California with that knife, and that's nice. I've been working on the Cuban knives. Are you, are you putting serial numbers on them? Are they all individual numbered? or? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm stamping CR for Carl Ruiz, and then I'm numbering each one. And then and then uh, guys said CR, but not a number. It said four, the number four, and EVA, forever. It was a little special mm. kind of joke. Young kid joke. <laughs> kid speak. That's it. You yeah, know. well, I need to get used to that. So, I mean, what I've been doing this week is I've been in a bloody hospital for most of the week. Oh, my um, God. So I've got, I've got twins on the, on the, on the way. Fantastic um, news. Yes, I'm, I'm. We're very excited, myself and the wife. But um, she's fine. She's absolutely fine. But um, yeah, we just spent some time in the hospital this week, which was unexpected. Um, so I've been really been away from the workshop, really. Um, yeah. Only coming back today. Um, so it set me back a bit this week. But you know, raring to go for next week. Outstanding. Well, that's mm. great. Well, good luck to you. I hope your I hope your wife is feeling well, and we're sending all of our kindest regards to her and you. Thank and you very. Fantastic much. news. So talking about projects and things that we've been doing recently, you were in a great video for Epicurious, which was on YouTube. It was fine. It was, it was fine. yeah, it, it was it's fine. a great, great video. But what, what really entertained me about the video was uh, those comments. And I, I know you haven't actually read them, have you? Well, I, you know, here's a little backup on that video is my buddy Will Graham, uh, Will Griffin uh, of uh, Griffin Knife Works did the... Uh, the first one, and I was actually supposed to do the one that he did, and they got him, and I talked to him. At, they filmed his first and played his first, and he, he was, I don't think it was, I think it was very depressing for him. He said, just be careful, they're going to talk about your hands. <laughs> so I uh, was talking to my business partner about it, and I said, I don't think I'm going to read the comments. And he goes, why would you read the comments? Do you walk out on the street and ask strangers what they think of your shirt? Absolutely not. So I haven't, no, I haven't really, I've gotten uh, told by... Some people, what has been said, but I, I haven't actively gone out and I don't yeah. want to depress myself. Well, what if I depress you instead? What What if I read the comments to you and we can? You, this is your This is your way to get back to these people. You, you can You can comment back. This is a terrible idea. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I, look for the sake of this for the sake of this podcast. I, I'll do it, but it's going to be uncomfortable i'm just telling you that and and in regards to if you're if you made some of these comments and i said something offensive to you i'm apologizing ahead of time not afterwards so <laughs> well you know i'm going to name the person so i've noted a few down so i'm actually going to name them because i think if they're going to go on if they're going to go online and make a comment that yeah. you know they're going they're going to be heard so you want me to have my honest opinion of what my what they have to say you this is your kinda, reply this is my I'm, reply all right and you will see a theme developing here with most of these comments. <laughs> it's going to be hand comments, awful hand comments. And I'll throw, you know, I'll try to, I'll try to, you know, go behind the scenes in regards to what happened that day. And... Cue the sad music. Cue All the right. sad music. All right, bring it. Up. Let them, let them rip. Let them rip. So Jenna seven seven one zero said, quite simply, this man has hideous hands. Yes, he's yeah. not, she's not wrong. She's Pretty not wrong. True. Yes, this is, you know, 
<laughs> Dr. Genius PhD. I mean, this guy is obviously a genius. He's commenting yeah. on YouTube, you know. You couldn't get this guy to clean his fingernails before the shoot? Look, Dr. Genius isn't wrong. And here's what I'm going to say about that. I was petrified. I had to write this episode. I wrote the outline to this episode. And I was far more concerned about not sounding crazy. This, is, this was a sound stage that with like eight or ten people. There were cameramen and audio guys. And I, didn't, I was worried about passing out. I literally was worried with all the lights and everything. I was worried about passing out. So you're right. I could have, you know, I, I have, I, my hands are bad. I, I, you're, you're not wrong. You're being, but, very kind, you know, you're being very kind to these people. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it gets to the point where it's like, I mean, what am I going to say? I got great hands. I got terrible hands. He's right. I should have worn gloves. My wife told me uh, weeks before, can't you wear gloves for a few weeks? I'm like, no. <laughs> I have also, I have some permanent, uh, as some of you guys know, some of your fingers get a little close to that grinder. And I've, I think I've destroyed my nail bed. So my nails kind of look like, you know, jagged rocks. My nail... Fingernails don't grow out nice, and even if I clean them, they would look like terrible. What exactly. Can I do? Yeah, it's the it's the, it's, uh, it's it ain't, it's, 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 it's going to happen if you're making knives. They're eh? not wrong. They're not. So far, I'm not. I'm not in disagreement. Danny M. By the way, this dude no. should have his own YouTube channel. Ain't happening. Uh, <laughs> here's yeah, look. I do the Instagram live, and I enjoy doing Instagram live. I, I don't want to be – I don't have the time to do content. Like I know a lot of guys, friends of mine, Alec and uh, Zach and all these guys, they do great content. I don't really – That's I want to be in the knife business. So I do the Instagram live. It goes away. I don't have to do any prep. I don't have to do any you know editing and thank you. I'm, I'm not going to do it. So forget it. Katie Merritt says no. – Anyone else getting Chris Pratt vibes from this guy? No. And I can no totally one. see it. I no can totally one. see that. No one. No one. No one's getting Chris Pratt. Leave me alone, Katie. <laughs> Katie, just why are you even respond? Katie, it's it's over, Katie. Just relax. Jobel Kitty, which is, oh. yeah. Yeah. Great Bring name. It. Cool eye color, yellow green. <laughs> what the fuck? What are you looking so hard for? Jesus Christ, these people have nothing better to do. Eye color, fingernails. Outrage, total. All right, fine. That's fine. Fat rabbit. Fat um, rabbit, baby. Come on, this, fat rabbit. This was insulting to sit right. through. Oof. Burn. Burn. Insulting. He's not wrong. I mean, you know, it's more <laughs> insulting the fact that he had to comment on it. It's just like, yeah. it's fine. It's not for everybody. Fat rabbit. You know, <laughs> fat rabbit. I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't have answers for this. It's not, what am I going to say? It's you're not wrong, but it's fine. Just you know, just I don't understand why you need to even say anything. Why? Do, I've never in my life thought this is terrible. Let me let them know. This is fine. Well, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not. Abs- I'm not insulted so far. I'm not really insulted. Okay, there's plenty more to come. Plenty right, more. Yeah, bring it. I'm ready. Anthony Huff, simply hands crusty as fuck. Yeah, they are. <laughs> you're not wrong. We're, we've already covered that. He's not wrong. It's fine. Pumpkin pie. Lol, you know they're obviously they're obviously very intelligent. Lol, Lol. you really got to be a dummy to be a knife expert, I guess. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, you do. I mean, I look. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some the dumb part is these people thought that they pulled me off the street and we just kind of riffed for two days. Hmm. I was. We had a very set time. We had seven hours in the. Uh, we had seven hours in the studio. They rented the studio for seven hours. I was. I showed up at the call time. They had me sitting around for three hours because they were setting up the lights and doing the makeup and making sure the sound was good. We had an we had an outline because obviously, if you have a set amount of time, you can't just be rambling on and hopefully good stuff comes out. So, you know, I'm not I'm not <laughs> mad at what he said either. You know what? I, I, I'm you know I I think it's weird to comment on it. It makes no sense to me. I never never really dawned on me that that would be something worth your while. Your finger. Yo, I just don't understand it, but I'm not mad, I'm not mad at that so far. So far, we, keep going. Go ahead. We've got two more. Two Go more. ahead. Go ahead. Andre Aspara says, yeah. this guy yells, then he whispers, all in the same sentence, and his fingers look like toes. He, uh, <laughs> I don't know. The last part sucked, but the first part, he's got me. The first part, he's got me. He's got me 100% in the first part. It's weird. It's, 
I, yeah, I just kind of go in and out of strange volumes. So I, the, the, the toes, the fingers look like toes. It's just like, you know, I mean, fine. I, I, what am I supposed to say? I, should my hands be insulted? I don't think so. I just, it's the way it is. It's the way it is. I'm still not 100% insulted. I mean, you know, it doesn't make me feel good, but it's fine. I'll be all right. I'll be all this, right. This, this one's going to make you feel good all weekend. This all is right. the last one. All right, and baby. this is from Nate Davis. So you've got a big, big fan in Nate. Nate. All right, Nate. Give it to me, Nate. Simply says, this guy is screaming hot. Fucking Nate. <laughs> Oh baby, come on, Nate! Come You've on, got Nate! Got a friend in Nate. Yeah, Nate Nate's, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's into the he's into the uh, spent, the spent looking guy with the big eye bags. Yeah, I'm, fingers like I'm toes. with you, Nate. I'm with you, Nate. Yeah, think toe fingers. Well, I think we're seeing a pattern here. I think I think we know where Nate's coming from, and that's fine. Yeah, I think, so. and I think there's thing. about three thousand comments on there, and I'd say eighty percent mention that mention the hands. Well, so let, let's. Draw a line under that. It's fine. Yeah, the hands are bad. The hands are bad. But this is the, one of the reasons. This is the reason why I've, I've gotten in trouble in the knife community because I tell people stop to doing those knife, those hand picks. And I actually <laughs> got some messages. I got a message from the big man, and I don't, he was wondering what I was talking about. And these absurd pictures. And I'm, I'm going back to what I said in the last episode where I said stop taking hand pictures. Two reasons. One is. Nobody wants to look at your hands. Nobody, because nobody wanted to look at my hands, and I think my hands are better than yours. Except for Mareko. He prides himself on how nice his hands are. And the second is, is be original. But at the same time, he's not, you know, people, people don't know how to, how to work. They're, they're stuck behind their cubicles wondering about their pedicures I, or their manicures. I, I see these guys with their soft hands, and when I shake them, and they get that soft, clammy skin, and it looks like they've never done anything. And it's like, I can't, I can't. I can't have faith in you. You're not going to... I can't have faith in you. That's what I have to say about that. Yeah, the hands are bad. Yeah, hands are bad. Let, let's, let's drop the hands. Let's drop the hands. It's fine. So we've been thinking of what, you know, what we're going to Thank God it's over, by show. the way. Thank God it's over, by the way. That was a little bit like, you know, I just... It's fine. Something you'd do again? Yeah, no, nothing, nothing, nothing gave me, nothing made me, I mean, I'm not going to like pull the plug. I mean, that's fine. I'll do it again. You got 33,000, 3,000 uh, comments. You could probably read two of them. Hmm. You read two of them uh, an episode probably for a while, but I'm yeah. not going to put people through that again. Fingers. I know. Hands. I got you. This, yeah. this is the fir- our first show really of, the, of this new format. And yes. the whole purpose of this was really so we could, we could get the tech right. We wanted to be sounding great we wanted right. to you know we just wanted to work really well for you That's so what it. we've asked people to do is sending questions so we set up the knife talk podcast instagram account so myself jeff and Mareko all have access to this account so if we send any questions there they'll come straight through to us so i've i've noted a few down so um yeah let's just answer people's questions for the show and see fantastic. where we go fantastic fantastic we've got a question from carl walter tools um, and this is a really good question, actually. He asked, do we have any ghetto processes to save in money and time? What do you think? I, you know, that whole expression, it's just like it's an easy way to say something. But, I mean, when you're a blacksmith or when you're a knife maker or you're a, uh, someone who makes something, you got to be a little inventive. So everything can't be, you know, out of a box. You don't buy everything. Mm. you got to make, make it happen. So in regards to efficiency and, you know, there, uh, well, I made my own forge. If that's I didn't buy it. I, uh, but I, I don't really... I, I, my opinion is, is you got to do whatever it takes. And I don't really kind of, I don't look down on people who try to figure out ways in which to make something happen when they don't have it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely I agree. I mean, there's a million and one ways to do things. That's it. And I hate that whole thing when somebody says, no, you're doing it wrong. You're using the wrong tool, but you right. know, it works for me. It's all context, you know? It's very strange how people do that. I've never understood that. It's, it's, it's this, it's this weird dominance thing. It's, it's, it's hmm. unnecessary. It's not totally unnecessary. So we do whatever yeah. it takes. Yeah. So I'm going to share just a couple of little those processes. Um, I put one on Instagram this week was <laughs> using a, just a silicon cupcake case um, I love to, that. Mix, to mix my epoxy in. Because otherwise, I'm mixing epoxy in every day, and I was just throwing out all of these these little cups, you know, and it was just junk, and it's landfill, and it's it's not good. So get yourself a silicon cupcake case, um, and then it just when it's dried out and it's hardened up. You just peel it out, you know, and you use the case again, and it comes out perfectly clean, 
Perfect. I love that you did that, and I'd like to just hop on that a little bit. I don't use throwaway sticks. I don't use throwaway sticks. I don't use throwaway sticks. What I do is I've gotten over the over the past years, I've been a painter, I've been a sculptor, so I have these tiny little painter's palette, palette knives. And when I'm applying um, the epoxy, I use these small palette knives. They're not big. I mean, I do have, like, spackle knives that I use sometimes for scales because it's the same thickness as the scales when you're kind of laminating them together. But when you use those metal, uh, like little, like a palette knife, hmm. once yeah. it's dry, you take a razor blade and it just all comes right off. So I'm, I'm constantly, that's, I, I love the idea of, I, I, when I see those videos of people with the, a million little Dixie cups and they're throwing everything away. Mm. It's just kind of, there's always a better yeah. way to do it. But I love yeah. that idea. I love that silicone thing. I got to get me some silicone. Cool. I've got another one as well, actually. So I, I shared this a long time ago. So we've all got our dunking tank, which we dunk our blades into, you know, next to our grinder to keep them cool and so on. Yeah. Um, but I was finding that, you know, after a while, the blades will come out and they've got these bits of grind, you know, this grind dust on them and they're going straight back onto the belts. And it's, yeah. it's just scratching up all the time, you know. So yeah. I use I now use a steel bucket, and I'm going to be quite fancy here and explain that it's actually a champagne ice bucket. I love it. <laughs> high level, you know, high level, proper high level stuff. <laughs> but I use that. Baby. <laughs> but I use a strong welding magnet then, which I put on the outside. So what happens then is when you dunk your blade back in, all that grind dust goes straight to the magnet, so it keeps the water much much cleaner. So when you Pull your knife back out. It's you know it's sparkling clean, ready to go back on the belt again. Very so it's, tight. It's avoiding those scratches and it's keeping those belts cleaner for you know much much longer. As a good move, I love that magnet move. Works well. Works really well. I bet you so, could use like a galvanized bucket too. You don't have to have a champagne bucket. Yeah. Well. Well. You know, champagne bucket. Why not? Yeah. yeah if you've got not? a champagne bucket, use a champagne bucket. Yeah, baby. Come on, get <laughs> everybody. Come on, get your champagne bucket. Come on. <laughs> we got a question from uh, Prince Forgeworks, um, and he, he asked for any tips on heat treating and tempering of stainless. I'll let Love you go it. first with this. Uh, well, one thing is, is uh, there are guys, I know that Nick Rossi over at the New England School of Metalwork, he, I, think the, I know that he forges AEBL. I don't forge stainless steel because mm -hmm. I, don't really, I don't really know. I, I don't have confidence in it. I haven't done it myself, and buying blocks of stainless steel over an eighth of an inch thick can be expensive. Um, I even, an even heat kiln would be your best bet in regards to the heat treatment. The heat treatment is the hardest part because the critical temperature of the, of the um, iron carbides in the stainless steel is much higher than uh, what you, being able to see it in a forge. Like, the, you know, a lot of people... Uh, you can see critical temperature a little bit above critical temperature with um, carbon steel. Uh, with uh, um, you know, once it's a little bit non-magnetic and then a little bit higher than that, that's critical temperature. But it's a little bit harder with the stainless. The other thing is, is you really want to use uh, uh, stainless steel foil to prevent carburization in the steel. That means the carbon's kind of going out to the outside of the uh, the blade. I, I love stainless steel. Nine, I would say 95% of my knives I, that I make are stainless steel. Uh, get a good oven, uh, get some aluminum blocks, get a compressor with some air, and get some... You, need, you don't need the expensive stainless steel foil. You only need the foil that goes up to... I think they have foil that goes up to 2,000 degrees and then up to 22 or 2,300. You're only going up to 1,950 at the most, so you can use the less expensive stainless steel foil. And the foil is going to keep that uh, oxygen-free environment that's going to uh, prevent carburization, and it's really going to make uh, give you a better uh, knife. The other thing is in regards to heat treatment, I'll be super quick. Don't put in a distal taper when you're heat treating with plates because if you put a distal taper in the spine, uh, when you're putting when you're quickly putting them between the plates, what will happen is, is you could uh, kind of uh, cool them between the plates not straight. So if you leave the distal taper out uh, with your stainless steel, you keep that spine, the exact thickness of the spine, you're, less, you're more likely to keep the knife straight. Those are the only tips I would do. What, what do you do if you're heat treating more than one blade at a time, a stainless blade, for example, where obviously the temperatures are super high um, and you're using plates? How are you cooling those plates quickly then to get that's onto the a, next knife? That's a very good question because when I heat treat everything, I, I usually, I know a lot of guys heat treat like, uh, 
you know, five or six, you know, you can get, when you get your, uh, your ovens, they give you like a, a little, you can get those little, uh, uh, ceramic holders that hold mm. like five or six knives. I try to stay away from, uh, I don't heat treat more than three knives at a time for that reason is because with the aluminum, your plates get hot. What I usually do is I, uh, when I set my temperature, uh, I set my temperature 1900 degrees, I have a holding period. And usually for me, I quench after, uh, five minutes and then uh I, I if you have your your oven your oven you use the i have the even heat lb so the back of the uh the back of the kiln doesn't have coils so it holds a kind of much easier heat i'm always afraid that when the door opens and closes you're going to lose a lot of that heat to kind of mm. drop you out of the austenite phase so i go with um three maximum and then in between if i feel i have a lot of sets of plates and for that reason, because I'm afraid that the plates get too hot and then they're not going to draw out the steel as quickly, converting the austenite into martensite. So I have a few different sets of plates, and then if it gets really hot, I have a bucket. I dump them in, I dump the plates in water really quick, uh, and then I dry them off, and then I keep at it. But I, I, I try not to do. There's no point in in doing if you if you're trying to save time on one or two more knives. You're not gaining anything if they come out bad. You know, if, if you lose the heat treatment or you got to redo the heat treatment, there's no there's no gain. If you can, if you don't have enough uh, cool aluminum to heat treat, you hmm. get more aluminum or brace yourself for, you know, being able to figure out a way to cool it down. And it, with real quick is when I was just uh, heat treating all the Cuban knives, I had to do 36 of them, and I was uh, terrified that I would have my quench oil after a couple would be too hot. So I had a thermometer in my, in my quench oil. I would heat treat two, and that would keep me uh, under uh, 120 degrees. I usually, I would keep it, it would keep the oil at around just under 100 degrees, and then I would hold off for a couple of, you know, like 30 minutes or so, and then I'd heat treat another. So I was able to heat treat eight a day, and I got good results, and I kept my oil cool without having to, you know, yeah. go bananas. Yeah. Yeah, and um, with regards to stainless, because I know uh, Prince Forge works. I know he's. Yeah, I think he's going to be working on some stainless Damascus. He makes amazing um, Damascus, by the way. He does some of the stuff that over the last couple of weeks, specifically that he's posted, has just been just crazy, been crazy. Mm. Yeah, but I'd say yeah, like you said, get plates, lots of plates. They're cheap, you know, considering what you're making. Right. They're cheap. Um, I use just a very sort of basic uh, woodworker's vice. Um, just like so put the plates in, um, so you can snap up really quickly. Um, I created just a little lip on the bottom of the vices so I can slide new plates in. Um, and what I tend to do is not take the old plate out, just put a new plate on top of that one. Um, so, again, I wouldn't do more than three or four at a time. But by that point, you may have sort of three plates either side of the blade. Um, but it's fine. You know, they stay cool, and it's, it just allows you to quench really quickly. Can I tell you one thing about that? I had that the first in, uh, I saw Kyle Daly did that. Uh, he had plates and he mounted them to his vice. And I did that. And one thing I realized was that I liked having them so I could I put one on the table and then I put the, 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 the knife down and they put the other plate down. Hmm. I had more control because once you get in all this steel is the same. I mean, in regards to the heat treatment and the tempering. Uh, the concept is the same. So what you're doing is you're getting the steel to the austenite stage where where the carbon is uh, uh, in solution throughout the knife, and then you're trying to cool it down below a certain amount of temperature, and then the austenite converts into martensite, right? So I realized that if I kept it in the plate, I couldn't tell if, if the knife was straight. And when you have it in those foil packages, you kind of still can't tell if it's straight. So what I do is I put a plate on the table, put my knife down, Put the um, with my hand and a glove. I cool it down and I get it below the 700 degrees. And then, when there's no color and everything like that, I cut off. Um, I cut. I pull it out of the. I pull it out of the foil. And then I take a look because you still once you still have a little bit of that austenite converting into martensite. So you ha it's the same thing with your quenching. When you're quenching, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be ice cold before you take it out to look. If you bring it out. At a, uh, you know, after 15 seconds, 20 seconds of quenching, there's still enough heat in there that if you have a warp, you can fix it. So I, my whole problem with the, the vice thing is I'm always like paranoid. Well, I don't want to have to fix the, I don't want to have to fix the, um, the warp in, in the temper. If I can fix it before the temper, that's what I want to do. And that's usually what I do. So I don't use the vice. I go hand and then look and then. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes well, sense. Yeah. I'm a, I don't like doing extra work. <laughs> I hate it. 
Yeah. Well, if you know, if there's a, a way around something that works. Yeah, you know, for wh- sure. Why would you go the long way around? Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. So we've got a question from. We've actually had a few questions from Christopher Hood eight eight eight, and he's on Instagram. Oh, um, but, but I've just I've just chosen one of his questions. Okay. Um, where's the best place to purchase knife making supplies and grinders? Mm. And I suppose we're going to have very different answers for this because we're in different parts of the world. Of course. Go so ahead. For, for, Start in. For me, I mean, I mean, I'm in France, so weirdly i don't actually get anything from france because it's so expensive i'm sure so i gen i generally get stuff from the uk um and with shipping costs aren't too bad um there's no import taxes to pay because we're at the moment the uk is part of the eu um so i use bnd abrasives um and ground flat stock between those two i get virtually everything that i need right um and yeah occasionally i may need to you know find something a bit more locally uh, with regards to the handle materials I'm pretty much self-sufficient on handle materials now when it comes to wood, um, just from sort of local places and actually from forests too, and just, you know, stabilizing them myself. Um, but if I want G10 and stuff, I'll just go to groundflatstock.co.uk, um, and David is brilliant there. He'll get stuff out in the post that day. And I generally get it about two days later, you know, and that's that's taking a plane over. That's, that's doing everything. It's landed on my door two days later. That's so amazing. Can't really fault that. I, it's too bad that it takes it's it's such a kind of a production for you to kind of get anything. Yeah, I mean, when people think of France, they think of they think of Paris, they think of big cities, you know. Right. I'm I'm. If you were to put a pin in the middle of France, that's where I am, the furthest away from a beach that I could possibly be, and I'm just surrounded by woodlands. Um. So yeah, we don't have local stores to go to to pick things up. Everything needs to be bought online. So yeah, it just makes sense and economically for me to get it from the uk so i'm not sure where christopher's from whether he's in the us or whether he's in europe or or wherever um but for me um it's from the uk and i generally use bnd abrasives and ground flat stock amazing well over here in the united states it's the land of land of opportunity we get to buy whatever the fuck we want oh pardon me we get to buy whatever we want and you know so i got all my grinders from beaumont metalworks but my first grinders were just like you know ryobi's i mean they were just like what you'd get at a a, a hardware store Uh, all my grinders are beaumont uh kmgs and my uh disc grinders at beaumont um i get i get a lot of handle material all my g10 i get from alpha knife supply uh, sometimes I get I get my Corby's from Jan's Supply. I get uh, this and that from Tracy over at USA Knife Maker. He's a dynamite guy. They actually, they have great videos too on heat treating, and they'll show you what to do. I get all my steel from um, I get my steel from the New, Jer- New Jersey Steel Baron, um, and uh, sometimes I get a little bit of steel from Colonial over in uh, Chicago. But, you know, there's here in the United States, it's, you can, you know, if you have any questions, you feel free to DM me, but mm. keep it to, don't be Nate. Don't be Nate. It's, don't be Nate. It's a buyer's market. Uh, <laughs> Nate. Uh, yeah, Nate, leave it alone, baby. I hope that wasn't, that wasn't Nate asking that question, was it? It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> uh, we've, we've got a question from, from your homie, Ed Jits. Love Ed Jits. He's asking about handle materials. So what is your favorite, whether it be bone, G10, micarta, wood? What what do you prefer? I don't know. You know, I I stay away from that bone. I I, I had some of that, uh, I had some jig buffalo horn, and it made my shop smell like a, you know. smell is, it's like burnt hair. Well, I suppose it is hair. It's disgusting. terrible it's terrible and you know you just you can just feel like some sort of sadness when you're grinding it it's just awful (laughs) um he likes that he wants to get he wants to stay away from that giraffe bone he's all about that giraffe bone i i i stay away from the bone for the most part all that mammoth tooth and i I, this is not really for me so uh, my fate, my, when it comes to colors, I like that high-color G10. I like, I love most of my, my signature scales are uh, royal blue and toxic green. Um, I like the yellow, too. Uh, in regards to micarta, I love uh, can one, The only micarta I really like is natural tan canvas micarta because it's got that kind of real texture, that canvasy texture. Mm-hmm. And then recently, um, I've been using a lot of, I like, I like stabilizing my own wood these days. I've been enjoying that. Hmm. But I would I would go with G if I had my choice I'd go G ten all day. Yeah, 
Yeah, and so, uh, some of your patterns I love, actually. You have that sort of signature sort of blue and green, don't you, which, right. which I really like. Really well, like. you know, my, that comes from my old art days. It, it, the funny thing about G10 is they don't give you tones. They don't give you shades. So mm. a lot of times people are trying to match, and I always say to them, well, we can't do that, but what we can do is we can use contrasting colors to kind of activate each other's color. And all of a sudden you'll see these colors that you don't really think much of, and when you're kind of putting them together in these different combinations, they activate each other, they work together, and they kind of create something kind of interesting. Hmm. I've got a question actually about about your G10 because sure. um, I haven't been doing it this week because I've been out of the studio. But I've been working on a, um, a sort of an example knife for a couple of French chefs here in the, in the area. So I'm using three layers of G10, just one mil layers, um, which is blue, white, and red for the French flag. Right. So they'll be closest to the blade. Then there's going to be a wooden sort of scale to it. Yeah. So when you, when it comes to glue up, do you get all your G10 glued up ready? So it's one solid piece, or do you just glue everything all in one and clamp up? I always prep everything beforehand. I, I glue everything together because I don't want to fool around. I want to, I'd rather have a block. So yeah. if I have three colors, I'll, I'll laminate them all together, and then I'll, what I actually do is I'll laminate the scales individually, and to save on clamps, while I'm, I'll laminate two sets of scales at the same time, I'll put a piece of kydex in between because the epoxy doesn't stick to the kydex, and I'll have... Uh, three clamps holding together six pieces of G10 gluing together, and then when they're done, I snap off the kydex because it doesn't uh, the the epoxy doesn't stick to the kydex. Yeah. And they'll do three tiny drops of uh, crazy glue, and I'll put them together, and then I can shape everything. I can shape the bolster at the same together, so I can kind of make sure that they're mm. even. But yeah, okay. I don't. Yeah. yeah, if you're if you're if you're putting them together one at a time, it, it, you you also miss out on bubbles. They're, 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 if you're you know when you're doing the G10, you want to scratch it up a little bit. You want to make sure that you know the epoxy is, is adhering because if you have that shiny part of the um, the G10, it won't take it won't it, the epoxy or the glue won't take. It'll just kind of be like going to glass. Yeah. So, but if you go too deep, sometimes what happens is you can have bubbles. So I, I would just be worried about that. Okay. And would you laminate that sheets of G10 or would you, you cut them to scale size first and laminate small bits? I, for, that, for the reason is I'm afraid, I know that uh, Aaron Goff does that. He's got a big press and he, he'll, mm. put, he'll put sheets together. I, I would be afraid of air bubbles in between because if the air bubbles um, get hard and you cut, cut into it, you'll have a little air bubble in between. So I try to, I try to get them as close as possible. Like I'll, I'll trim everything down to... You know, you, when they when they send you the sheets, they're they're smart. They make the sheets in the size that are pretty close to what knife makers use. So mm. you, you can sh- trim them down to uh, I'm going inches. Sorry, I don't I don't know. <laughs> so like inch and a half, and then uh, two pieces. You know, you'll, they'll give you 11 inches or 11 and a half or whatever, and then you just I, I run them down to uh, inch and a half, and then kind of get them close and put them together yeah. close. It's easier. It's easier. Less clamps. Less worry. Okay. Cool. Cool. So I mean, I. Generally, my knives are using wood. Um, right. I just love the, the natural patterns. You know, I just find it really fascinating. Not two are ever the same. Um, like like you, I stabilize myself. Um, but, you know, if I get the odd customer who does need something that hasn't got a wooden handle, um, an example here of butchers here in France, they, um, they're not allowed to use wooden handles. They need to be a synthetic handle. Um, I think that's to stop. Is that right? Advice. Yes, yeah, it's it's law. It's to stop the ingress of any sort of germs into the handle. Wait, you know, but so they don't it, they don't you're not allowed to use wood or you're not allowed to use not allowed to use wood in commercial butcheries and abattoirs. Right, 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 right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's a, so. yeah that makes 100% sense. I suppose so. So in that case I'd use G10. Um but yeah, as the same with you in regards to bone, um I've used it once. I found it very very brittle and easy to sort of chip as well. But that smell was just poof, That's rank. not good. Absolutely well, rank. The one thing about the one thing is about the wood is the hardest part is if somebody wants a set. Mm. One thing's one thing is is I've been working with this local mill and they've been giving me like big pieces so when I do sets I can have the set all the wood come from the same piece of wood, which is great. The hard part about buying wood is you don't really have that ability to kind of make sure things match. That's the only part about wood. I'm not. I have to like be. I have to. You have to manage the expectations of your customers, Craig. You understand? Yeah. Well, yes, but I mean, as I say, I'm surrounded by woodland, so quite often I can go and see almost the whole tree. Um, so it's something that I've been thinking of doing actually is providing a map with every knife that I sell with a little pinpoint saying exactly where this wood was. You know? My guys, will, with, my guys, the Danes will tell you what street the tree came down from. It's great. Yeah, 
Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's something I've been considering. But but yeah, with regards to matching up wood, you know, I'm I think I'm quite fortunate in the fact that you know I can get a as much wood as I need from you know the same source. That's ex- that's excellent. I'm with you. We've got a really good question from Josh Scott Knives, um, which is, where do you see the knife community in five years? And I'm I'm really interested on your take on this, Jeff, because I've got a bit of a a bit of a spiel about this myself. So. Uh, let you go first on that one. Well, my opinion is is it depends on how knife makers treat their customers and treat the public at, at large. I think that this is the, an opportunity to train your customers in regards to what they want. I uh, there are a lot of times people will say, and I've heard knife makers, master and bladesmiths say that chefs don't really know much about knives. I've actually seen chefs who have been cooking for a long time, and when you talk to them about knives, they don't really have a good understanding about knives. I, I think that. We have an opportunity to educate people in regards to what we're doing, and now's the time. Um, there's been a really big uh, interest in knives and knife making, and I think it's great, but I think that to make sure that it's not a flash in the pan thing, well, I think we need to be a little bit more educated in regards to how we talk to customers, and then Creating this idea of, and this is what my business partner Tony and I talk about, of managing expectations, explaining what we're doing, let the people be involved, and then you're kind of cultivating more customers. Hmm. So yeah, I think that, that it's based sense, on yeah. education. Education and understanding is kind of pretty important. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to come come at this from a slightly different angle. So with regards to you know knife making community, I'll talk more about knife makers. Um, and I think we're living in a really magical time. We've got the combined knowledge of billion, millions and billions of people at our fingertips, thanks to the internet. Yeah. But, you know, we'd never had this before. So in the past, knowledge would have probably taken decades to travel. It's, you know, left one village blacksmith onto the next, and he heard, he heard something from his brother who passed on to the next. Right. So we're, we're fortunate to have the internet. And we've, we've been, I've been thinking about community a lot recently, um, particularly the knife-making community. Um, and I think there is a community out there. There's, you know, there's there's various Facebook groups. There's obviously Instagram, um, even Twitter. People are using obviously to to sell knives. Yeah. Um, but but I'd love to bring all these people together in a place where the primary objective is is just to help each other, because we've all seen these forums, you know, these um, knife making forums, and it and it's just like a dick swinging contest, you know. Now I've got oh, no baby. time for that. Nate, hold your ears, Nate. Hold your ears. <laughs> hold your ears, Nate. <laughs> This one's for you, baby. We're going to go to, we're going to swing some dicks around here, Nate. Come on, baby. All right, go ahead. Sorry. sorry but sorry. I, I've got no time for that at all. You know, as, as I said, you know, yeah. everybody's got a different way of doing things and everybody's got something that they can teach others. Um, so I'd love to see a community resource that there's for people that, that has people's back when they're struggling with something. Um, maybe, you know, it could be something like getting the correct finish on something or maybe how to use a specific tool. I think there's enough knowledge out there for us all to sort of help each other. Yeah. So, I agree. Totally agree. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons for the podcast, you know? That's 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 why I do this. And the Instagram. I mean, I'm amazed at how many people reach out to me, and I, I've never not responded. It's a, it, is a, it is a community, and it would be great to have some sort of yeah. community gathering. So. Not so for you, Nate, though. Not for Nate. <laughs> Nate can stay home. Nate stay home, banned. Nate. <laughs> so, so I've been working on a, a forum for Knife Talk. So we're going to have Knife Talk, the podcast, which is what you what you're listening to at the moment. Um, but there's all be, also be a forum, hundred um, percent free. Um, it'll be self policed, sort of within reason. Um, and let's just see what comes of it, because you know there are other knife making forums out there. Right. Um, but I do think that we are part of a community here, um, and you know a lot of my followers on instagram they listen to the podcast um and i'm sure there's other pools of you know other communities out there which you know we haven't tapped into and maybe that will come over time i don't know um but you know it's gonna be great to have this this resource for people alongside the podcast um i've actually got plans to take you know steps a little further as well but it's early stages for that Um, but i think it's gonna be fun and useful so so that's the main thing it needs to be useful no dick swinging completely useful you're there to help a little dick swinging just a little bit come on on, craig just a little bit of dick swinging maybe just a bit maybe just a bit baby come on a little bit (laughs) but it would be lovely to have a bit for you know i mean myself you and mareka we all make coloring knives so let's have a little bit for chefs you know and we're you know 
help chefs can be taught how to use their knives, how to sharpen them properly. Um, it doesn't just have to be for knife makers. Um, so that's going to be forum.knifetalk.net. Um, that should forum, be live. Wait, let me just make sure I got that right. Forum.knifetalk.net. All right, writing it down. Um, so that should be live by the time this podcast goes live. Um, use it as you please. It may come to nothing, but it may become a resource. And, you know, if if you've got some time, answer people's questions. If you've got any questions, ask away, and I'm sure people will be more than happy to help out. And that's what it's all about. I'd like to add, too, that I think one of the things that we should try to focus on um, in regards to this podcast is I think that we can, we, don't, we, we can talk to people who are new to knife making and people who are older at knife making, but I think it would be great to try to bring in people like chefs. I mean, we're all, let's face it, it's, it's more culinary guys in this, because you know, on, on, uh, that's what we do. You, you mean yeah. Rekka, we all might culinarize. It would be great to kind of like have conversations and talk to chefs in regards to what they're looking for. Sometimes we think we know what they're looking for and we don't, you know, so exactly. I, th- this forum makes sense in regards to getting that feedback from chefs and kind of figuring out uh, where we need to go. Exactly. Outstanding. Exactly. Well, good for you, man. Cool. Come cool. with it. So let's get a bit technical. Um, Running Man Forge has asked, um, and this one's for you, Jeff, because I've got no idea what he's talking about. No idea at all. All right. Um, could you explain the, the spheroid, what, what, spheroides, spheroides process? I think it's spherodizing. So, spherodizing, so, uh, right. look, here, here's, here's one thing. I, I read that before, and I was kind of like, I, 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 well, number one, Thank you for writing that question. Number two, I am repelled by scientific talk. And, and it's like, <laughs> I cannot tell you when, when, when people, I, and, and, I, and it really, this knife making thing, to, you know, I really feel strongly about learning stuff so you can understand it. So you've made, Running Man Forge, I'm with you, but you made me work on this one because I didn't know exactly. But then I have, a, I have this way of explaining um, some types of scientific processes so people understand. If you start talking about, so spheroidization is basically it's basically it's annealing the steel. So when you have when you, I'm talking basically don't that mention me and say you know he doesn't know what he's talking about. So what I try to do is I try to explain things the way I would understand them. And what I how, the way I under, I I think that if we go back and if I go over 5 minutes just pull the hook on me. So spheroidization is is basically um you're 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 annealing the steel and you're at a lower temperature than the critical temperature for a long period of time and then it's becoming workable. So what, when you get your steel from a steel supplier, it isn't preheat treated. If it was preheat treated, you wouldn't be able to cut it with a bandsaw. You wouldn't be able to drill it, right? So I'm going to just do this quick introduction in regards to what heat treatment is. And if new guys, here's how you're going to understand it. And old guys, here's how you're going to explain it. You have to look at heat treatment like you would a dessert creme brulee. So if you look at creme brulee and you have your little cup of custard, you sprinkle some sugar on the top. Look at the sugar on top. Think of the sugar on top as as the iron carbides, right? So you have your this, when you that sugar that you sprinkle on top of the custard, it has no connection with each other. It's very like yeah, they're individual granules. So when you apply heat to that sugar, what happens is there's a critical temperature where all the sugar starts to melt. And when they start to melt, they kind of bond into each other, right? They're now in solution. So at a particular heat, at a particular temperature, that sugar goes into this kind of liquid pool on the top of your creme brulee, right? That would be austenite. That's the same thing that happens with your when you're heat treating a knife. You're bringing the steel up to a cr- cr- the critical temperature, not the temperature that melts the steel, but the temperature that melts the iron carbides into solution in the steel, and it spreads out like that that sugar, right? So you got the sugar in your creme brulee, and it's all melted and liquidy. As it cools down by itself, it turns from a liquid into a hard, brittle structure, right? That would be the martensite. So you're converting the austenite, the liquid iron carbides, into martensite, this hard, brittle situation. Now, the similarities are very similar because... With the creme brulee, you want to smash through it easy with your spoon. Well, it's the same thing once you have your martensite. You have to, it's, it's a very hard and brittle. So when it's hard and brittle, you have to temper it. And then tempering it is kind of bringing back some of that, is, is bringing back some of that martensite into that, into, and you're, you're cooling it off, you're chilling it out, you're making, you're bringing it back a little bit so it becomes flexible, right? So spheroidization is basically 
if you were to have a hard piece of steel, they either work hardened or sometimes, like I just, uh, I had to, I had to an, uh, anneal this. When you're making Damascus, once you make your build of Damascus, you actually have to anneal it. You have to bring it back because those carbon, those iron carbides, when they're spheridized, they're, there's no connection between them. So when you bend it, that's the reason why it, it holds its shape because there's no connection. Once mm. you have the martensite, once you have the, you would do the austenite and the martensite, the martensite has that lattice work that makes it, it not hold its shape, not hold its shape when you bend it. So that's spiritization. It's annealing. And I, God damn it, I, I, I didn't want to do this. I don't know, hate science talk. <laughs> However, I use the, feel free to use the creme brulee reference. I talked to some chefs at Stone Barns. They have understood it. Otherwise, they're going to go to sleep. You have to figure out ways in which to educate these people. And <sighs> I can't take it anymore. So thank you and God bless. I, I can't, that's all I got. Annealing, it's annealing. It's a softer state of your iron carbides. Every day is a school day with Jeff. <sighs> I just, I just, I'm repelled. I'm repelled by myself right now. <laughs> totally repelled. Northwestern Knives. Um, he's asking, what tools can knife makers not live without? Um, and this is a difficult one because everybody's obviously very different, you know? And there's, right. there's more than one way to, to you know, crack an egg. Right. Um, but for me, I mean, obviously the standard 2x72 grinder. Um, makes it possible to turn up knives in a you know in a timely manner, um, but I think this is a leading question because <laughs> I actually use a grinding jig which was made by Northwestern Knives, um, which I use for smaller knives to get them repeatable. Um, he used to be so, Basher Basher Dan. He did Basher Dan. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's now Northwestern Knives on I love Instagram. That guy. I um, love Basher Dan. I like Basher Dan better. I think, but I, <laughs> I, I think it's a cool name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Um, so yeah, for me it's my it's my grinder, obviously a two by seventy two. Um and I think if you've got a grinder, you've got a drill press and you've got an even heat, you've got everything you need really. Well, this is I'm gonna take a different end because it just so happens that I made a tool yesterday that is now my favorite tool right now. And this is a blacksmithing thing. And when you're forging knives and you're forging the bolster of an integral knife, or if you're folding, the, if you're trying to get your heel uh, that 90 degrees from the bolster, what you want is a butchering tool. What a butchering tool is, is and actually, I've just been do, working with uh, Lynn Ray, who makes the best blacksmith knives. And uh, I made a, a watercolor drawing of his process, and he has it on his Instagram page. You need a butchering tool. Butchering tool is basically something you hold in your hand, in your hammer hand, and not your hammer hand, in your managing hand, and then you put it down on the steel, and then you hit it with your hammer. And what that does is it incises into the steel. So if you're making, if you if you're imagining uh, integral knife, you know integral has that integrated bolster. That transition between the blade to the bolster is almost like a radius. Well, if you have a butchering tool, what you do is you take your, your knife and you put it into the uh, leg vise uh, with the knife facing up. And then you can take the butchering tool and actually kind of incise uh, some radius into your bolster. So the butchering tool for me, and just a little piece of advice, if you go on YouTube and you, and you look for – I don't know my whispering. This is ridiculous. So, so if you go to <laughs> YouTube and look up Nick Rossi, he did an incredible video on forging integral knives. And he uses a butcher tool. So give that man credit. Nick Rossi, New England School of Metalwork, best in the biz. So butchering tool is my new favorite, favorite tool. It's going to be great. Cool, cool. Okay. Um, Florence Sotoma over at Florentine Knives. Love that guy. Um, man, have you, have you seen his shop? The more pictures he's posting, the more uh, I'm just I might go see so his shop. He's been, he's been trying to get me to come out to Spain, and I'm, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm the, he's got that little lure hanging up, and I'm, I'm about to bite. So I, I, I want to hopefully I get to see him soon. I, I, love, I love what he's doing. That would be, we should have a meetup in Spain. That would be cool. That'd well, be cool. maybe we have some, maybe now, Tomer, the ball's <laughs> in your court, you motherfucker, you. We got to get this thing rolling. Uh, but he's asked for any, any tips for a good finish on stainless blades. And this couldn't have come at a better time because I've been struggling with this for so long. Um, but just last week, I had my mind blown. So I was speaking to Fingal, Fingal Ferguson, down the, in Gabine. Awesome, there. awesome dude. Amazing. He makes these be- be- beautiful knives. And I said to him, how are you getting this finish on stainless? Because it was almost a mirror, mirror polish, and he's, and he's knocking these knives out quickly, and I was just, how the hell are you doing that? Oh, I want to hear um, this. And he, he told me, and it's, it's my new favorite thing. So, you know, 
I was doing the usual thing, if you know, going through my grits up to about 400. Then I was using Scotch Bright belts. And then I'd go to hand sanding. And as you know, as soon as you start hand sanding after using a Scotch Bright belt, it looks like shit and it's going to take you a long time. Right. Um, so, you know, stainless was just too hard to do anything in a reasonable amount of time for me. Not saying it's impossible, but in a reasonable amount of time. It's hard, baby. Yeah. So I have just got some Scotch Bright deburring wheels. Which they fit on your bench grinder. Um, they're you know your normal sort of six inch wheel with a you know an inch arbor to put them on the on the on the grinder. Yes. Um, and they work like a dream. So they give you that Scotch Bright finish, that satin finish. Um, but obviously the the scratch pattern is running parallel with the tang. Right. So so it's it you know it's 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 the perfect perfect way. Um, but they make them ultra ultra fine. So you get you can start with you know a medium, then go to a fine. But so what happens if gr- you have a plunge line? Ah, well, that that'll be different. I don't. Yeah. I generally don't. That's so it obviously, it depends on what you know your style of knife, I suppose. I'm out. Um, but but what I'm doing now is going from on the uh, normal belts, going you know eighty, one twenty, two hundred, four hundred, then going to my Scotch Bright belts. So going through the you know the brown, then the maroon, then the grey, then the blue. Um, and then taking it to these wheels, these deburring wheels. And a great tip I had from um, Fingal was when he's telling me about these wheels. I said, "Well, they sound great, but they sound scary as hell because I hate using I hate using wheels on the grinder yeah. because they're grabby and they're, you know oh, they're dangerous. Most dangerous thing there is. Exactly. So what he does, he clamps his to clamps his blades just to a two by four. That's it. So you got you know something big to grip hold of. Um, so I tried that just last week and it's fantastic you get a perfect finish on stainless in a tenth of the time um so yeah so grab yourself some of those um scotch bright um wheels they're deburring wheels it took me a while to find them online so um the the they're 3m wheels the the code is db um hyphen wl um i got these from uh well the best price i could get was from bnd abrasives um they sell them you know, in quite a few places. Um, but BND braces were great, great price. Um, and just get, you know, get a couple, get the, the fine, get the medium. Um, and because they're Scotch Bright belts, they don't sort of wear out. Um, they wear, but, you know, each turn gives you the same amount of grit. You know, the grit doesn't wear out. It's just the wheel itself will wear out. Um, so, yeah, that's a great finish. That's stainless. awesome. Well, you saves know, a lot of time. It's funny because I used to work in a metal finishing shop and we did a ton of mirror finish bronze and we had to deal with these big buffers. So what we would do is we would attach it to a long two by four and then we had like a, a, a stand that was up on the wheel, uh, uh, right under the wheel. So you have the long two by four, you're not that close, but then you can, you have a little bit more leverage and you can really kind of push it into the, into the buffing wheel. So I, Look, that's awesome. That's I, you know, he, but I, then he's got he's got he has plunge lines. I wonder how he takes care. He has to go manually with the, those little plunge lines. Hmm. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, just to finish up those plunges, maybe. I don't know. Um, but you know, it works. It just awesome. works so well. And you know, you could take that then to a buffing wheel to get the mirror finish if you wanted. Um, but it just gets rid of those scratches. It's super fast. Outstanding. Um, yeah, it works really well. I'm a disc sanding guy. I go I go belts to the disc sander to take all the high spots off, and then I'm only hand sanding for like an hour and a half per knife. Hmm. And do you have a different process for a stainless blade as you yeah. maybe a, a carbon blade? No, I, I do. It's all the same. I just kind of run down the belts, and I, I really don't go to – I go um, – 36 to 80, then I use a gator belt, and then I go from the gator belt to a scotch bright belt, and then I go to the disc grinder, and I go 120 to get the 120, and then you're changing the scratch pattern off with the disc grinder, and then I jump down from 120 to 220 to 320, and by the time I get to 320, you've taken all, you know, your the whole thing about um, hand sanding is, is the the valleys, the deepest part is your yeah, is your starting spot. Yeah. So if you if you have a disc a disc grinder and you kind of take you're taking off the tops of all your of your scratches. So you're actually it's doing the hard it's it's flattening everything and then by the time you get to hand sanding you're not you've already taken the majority off and it's pretty flat. So I've been having real good success with that and that's been real helpful to me. I mean it isn't, you know, magic, but it's it's what I like, and I, I've been getting my, my results have been the best with that. And, you know, putting your hands, you gotta do something. You gotta figure it out. Yeah, exactly. I love exactly. that. I love that Scotch Bright wheel, though. That Scotch Bright wheel is a dynamite idea. 
Yeah, they're, you know, they're not cheap, but um, you know, they're going to last. And what's you know, cheap? Say, exactly. Cheap. If it saves time, it's cheap. You know. That, well, that's ultimately that's what hap- that's what you have to look at with your sandpaper. You know, I I buy Rhino wet sandpaper, and it's a little bit more expensive, but it's so much better. And what happens is, is you just with all these abrasives, you're supposed to use them like they don't cost money because otherwise you're mm. you're wasting your time. You're not saving money on on pushing dead you know sandpaper around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. So we were going to have this at a half an hour I show. love that. I was, was going to kill you. At 45 minutes, I was going to kill you. I was going to be like, yeah, 30 minutes. Yeah, nice try. <laughs> <laughs> it works. It works. Let's, fine. Let's finish with one more question. This is from Blades of Belak. Um, and I think this is going to be That's Caleb. Caleb rules. I love that guy. This is going to be specifically for you, I think, right. Jeff, because um, he asked, when you get overloaded, what tasks can you pass on to the, any interns or apprentices that you may have? Well, look, my opinion is, is in regards to this being a business is this is your business. What, what, this is not like the restaurant business where there's this expectation that you're going to get your first course within 10 minutes. You have to manage the expectations of your customers and you can't panic because once you start panicking and I'm not, don't sit there. I know Caleb, you're sitting there saying, I'm not saying I was panicked. What I'm saying is, is you're dictating the schedule as perfectly as you can with what you're doing. You can't overthink everything. You have to do one step at a time. And once you do one step at a time, you become a little bit less overwhelmed. I hate that feeling of like over... I haven't been overwhelmed. I haven't felt... I'm working on 100 knives right now, and I have not felt overwhelmed because I'm trying to keep my mind right in regards to this is the way I do it. This is I'm giving it my all, and that's that. I let, when I start off with interns and I have some some potential employees coming in, I always start them off with hand sanding because my, I had to create a hand sanding system that was super easy to teach and I was getting consistent results every time. And and um, hands my hand sanding techniques were the perfect way to get people. Also, also you you let them sit around for you know. I don't mind. I mean, you put them in a, you know, how much damage can they do? I have a system that really works very easily. And when I teach you the first time, you get consistent results in regards to your hand sanding. I think hand sanding is great. Um, laying out, uh, sometimes uh, I'll have somebody put the dicum down on the, on the steel and then they'll trace out my templates. Uh, hand sanding for me is, I've gotten it down, so that's what I, I push off a lot of hand sanding on. And then whatever they feel confident. Some of these kids, they show up and they ask you stupid questions and the, some of the questions are so stupid that you're terrified. You're t- get that, with that said, you get yourself a waiver. You got to get yourself a waiver because there's nothing worse than a, a, I had an intern once say to me, what happens if I touch this? And he was pointing at the 36 grit on the, on the grinder and I said, you're, nothing because I'm not going to let you use it. You, you, you got like, to kind of feel everybody out. Um, hand sanding is always good. Uh, you know, it's dangerous. I, I get very nervous uh, when I when I look for employees and uh, I look for people to progress. I, I I really stress the idea of safety because I, and safety isn't just because wearing your eyeglasses all the time. It's like when you're using the saw and all of a sudden you're pushing it from both sides and then it binds the blade and all of a sudden everything stops. And what do you do? How do you adjust? The confident having someone learn. The confidence in their in their in what they're doing, where they're not just like drilling, and all of a sudden the fucking uh, steel starts spinning because they didn't realize that they're going too fast or it's it's popping through and it catches. What do you do? What do you do? I, I, there's a, there's a lot of teaching people confidence and tools and letting them progress themselves. There's the short answer. The long answer is tomorrow. <laughs> How long are your apprentices generally staying with you for? Well, here's the thing. You know, the the, the apprentice. I don't. I don't consider that. You know, the, I see this not like. I don't really do the whole. I'm a bladesmith, and not, this is these are my apprentices. I just. I come at it from the old school arts world and metal shop. So I call them interns, or I call them. This is. I try to make this. This is more like a metal shop than it is some. You know, this fairy tale of what people think a knife shop is. Um, so a lot of the times it's usually, uh, based on their school. Like I had a lot of high school kids who used this as their, uh, 
senior project. So it's based on their it's based on their schedule too. Uh, over the summer, I had two great interns. One went back to college, uh, and then one started school again. So it's really you know you're getting free labor, but you're you're also giving too. So it all depends. It all depends on what they want, and it gets to the point where hopefully you're giving them the opportunity. You know, you're giving them the training that it's worth it for you to kind of say, all right, listen, let me give you a couple bucks to to uh, to stick around. That's okay, the story. Cool. Now we gotta get cool. we now we gotta start paying people. Yes, yes. That's when things get real. That's fine. When yeah, you're you're paying for other people's mortgages. Well, yeah, I, no one's getting their mortgage paid to this shop, that's for sure. <laughs> that's that so true. That's I, so I, true. I, I think Nate, that's the quote of, the quote of the podcast. Nobody's getting their mortgage paid at this shop. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, you know, the, the funny thing is is we've made the adjustment to this being a real company. This isn't one of those mm. things where, you know, you're just sending me PayPal and uh, we're done with it. This is I have a business partner. We pay rent on two spaces. We're, uh, you know, we're, we we want to be by the books. We want this to be legit, and I think it's very important. One of the things I think that the, the takeaway really is is, I think that it's very important to have a business plan and a short term plan and a long term plan, because as my partner Tony Iazzi says, creativity isn't a business plan. You got to like figure out ways in which this is, you know, you can, you know, monetize your creativity in a way that. You know, you're paying for your mortgage and you're making this thing something real. So that's it. I'm with you. Ugh, that fucking expression. I hope that thing goes away. <laughs> it's stuck. It's stuck. Someday well, I'll have I... to tell you that. Someday we'll have to tell you the real story of I'm with you because it's kind of hairy. That's a good clip. Really? That's a, that's ah, a radio okay. tease right there, baby. Craig, that's a sure. radio tease. Sure is. Sure is. So I think this went well. I think this went well. I love it. The listeners think the same. Well, I think we're onto something. Well, we'll see. We've got to get Mareko in here, get his get his ass over here, and we, you know we're gonna we'll see how it goes. I, we're gonna. Yeah. I think the most important thing is is consistency in terms of set putting it out. Um, I think that there are gonna be you know there are gonna be times where one of us is gonna say can't do it, and I think we're just gonna have to. I think I think instead of instead of just kind of uh, you know delaying it, I think we should do it anyway. I think people have expectations of every Monday yeah. they want to see something, and I'm happy to whatever I can do to make that happen, um, with, you know, obviously. And then we got to develop some chemistry. So I think that we're going to have to, you know, everyone's going to have to pay attention, and you're going to have to see if we're trying. I'm not just shooting my mouth off every five <laughs> minutes. We're trying to have a real conversation here. Exactly, exactly. So people can listen on, uh, obviously, knifetalk.net, um, on Spotify, on iTunes, and on any of the sort of podcasting networks, we're going to be there. Um, the branding may change slightly over the next week, so you know it, it might not look like us. But if it says Knife Talk, it's going to be us. And um, the other thing so, is, is we're going to do a lot with the Instagram page. So if you follow Knife Talk yeah. and the podcast. We're going to probably, what we'll do is we'll do a lot of stories. Maybe we'll do some live once in a while. And then each, when we, when we post, maybe, maybe what we should do is, Craig, is, is when we post an episode, that particular post gives you the information and, you know, some, you could actually, actually, we could probably add, if we talk about like the butchering tool, maybe we could add that to one of the Perfect. images. So you, when you're watching, you can see all the things that on that particular episode, uh, that particular post. Does that make sense? Perfect. Perfect. And yeah. if you know, if we've got any links to add to stuff that we've talked about, um, okay, maybe Instagram isn't the right place for links because it doesn't really work. No. Uh, but maybe that's a good place then for the forum. So yeah. remember, the forum's going live this week, um, and we can have a little thread on there about the podcast, and we can you know we can add in extra descriptions and all that kind of stuff. Outstanding. Yeah. So knifetalk.net, which will be the home for the podcast, the home for the forum. Um, knife talk podcast on instagram any questions get them over to us and yes we hope you all have a great week see you later everybody When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.